0: Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. EU leaders have agreed to delay Brexit for up to six months, overriding the objections of French President Emmanuel Macron and setting a Halloween deadline for Britain to leave the bloc. Mehreen Khan talks to Alex Barker and Guy Chazan about the considerations that informed the discussions.
1: Alex, it's the afternoon after a very, very long Brexit summit. We left the building around four o'clock in the morning. We had a result. What was it?
0: So, it was October 31st. Halloween is the new date for Brexit. It was a difficult discussion. It's the second time that EU leaders have come together in the last month to extend Britain's membership in the Union. And it's controversial because there are very clear differences of view, particularly between France and Germany, over the merits of Britain staying within the Union And it became very clear through the course of the night where you had the French President Emmanuel Macron taking a very tough approach, initially especially, making clear that he wanted a short extension in May or June to keep pressure on the UK to force a decision about this and to avoid the UK taking part in European elections next month for a parliament they want to leave. And at the other end, the majority of EU leaders who wanted something that was longer, that would take Brexit off their agenda for up to a year. And Angela Merkel was one of the strong advocates of that approach in that group.
1: As the summit seemed to go on, we had Theresa May coming and doing her dress, but there was only one leader that was the focus of events, and that was Mr Macron. He came out telling us that he was happy with the best possible compromise. Angela Merkel also came out and said that she was very happy with the result. Guy, what was the role of the Chancellor in getting Macron into medium-term extension territory that both he is happy with and she was happy with? What was her influence over him?
2: I think she had a kind of moderating influence over Macron. I think you had essentially the French president with a very tough, hard-line approach, as Alex has described, and you had the other camp that wanted to sort of extend it much further out to possibly as far as sort of April next year. And I think Merkel was trying to edge towards a compromise that would satisfy both camps. And I think it was very important that she talked about the EU's historic responsibility. This is an abiding feature of the kind of rhetoric that Merkel uses on Brexit. She believes that people in 20 to 30 years' time will look back and judge the EU on how it handled Brexit, especially the whole concept of a no-deal Brexit. She thinks that history will judge the European Union extremely harshly if it allows Britain to crash out without a deal. So I think that is her overriding priority in these negotiations to ensure an orderly Brexit, one that doesn't damage the British economy but also doesn't damage the European or the German economy.
1: So we're left with this Halloween date and it effectively has split the difference between the two camps, so we've ended up equidistant. But October the 31st or the beginning of November is also quite an important moment in the political cycle. Alex, why does it matter in a year of quite big upheaval that We're in October territory rather than, say, December. What does it mean in the EU's life cycle post-election world?
0: It's a big transitional year for the EU. All of the institutions will have a new president appointed in the coming year. And November is the time when the European Commission leadership will change. And France had worried that Britain's continuation as a member state would start to kind of pollute the normal day-to-day business of the EU. And it retains all the rights and powers of membership, yet wants to leave this union. And November is the point where it would have been potentially nominating a European commissioner from the UK and would be taking decisions about shaping the club in the future, even when Britain still intended to leave, and so this provides a bit of security about those concerns by limiting the kind of influence that the UK would be able to have. There were other commitments given, but it's quite hard to do it legally because ultimately all the voting powers that Britain has would still be there.
1: Angela Merkel, when she walked into the room, was sort of we saw her laughing and joking. Uh, one diplomat described her demeanor as quite relaxed. On the other hand, you had Mr Macron, for whom the stakes were very high. He walked into the room telling us that, you know, his project, the renaissance of of the EU, was at stake. Um, In the end, we managed to come somewhere in the middle. But was this a seminal summit for the Franco-German relationship?
2: Well, I was talking to someone, an expert on the EU in a think tank in Berlin this afternoon, who made a very interesting point, which is that really, in a way, the difference that we have between France and Germany on this issue of delaying Brexit is actually indicative of a much bigger split between Germany and France, which is their attitude to reform of the EU. I mean, Macron essentially has this idea that Brexit is a big distraction from, as you put it, the European Renaissance. And the sooner we get rid of this distraction, the better, so that we can get on with the task of reforming and overhauling the EU. Now, Merkel is very, very cautious, well, you know that, but she's quite conservative when it comes to sort of big rolls of the dice, reforming the EU. So actually, for her, This issue of Brexit being a distraction is actually less relevant because overhauling the EU is also less of a priority for her. And it's actually becoming increasingly difficult to persuade her own party, the Christian Democrats, of the wisdom of doing these bold reforms. So in a way, she is much more supportive of these sort of incremental steps. And also, in a way, she's trying desperately to ensure that there are no big cataclysms that will hurt the EU and could actually lead to the disintegration of the EU. That's her main concern. It's actually keeping the EU together. And I think she feels that Brexit is potentially such a destabilising thing that it needs to be managed incredibly well in order to keep EU cohesion, to maintain EU cohesion. That's actually her top priority.
1: Alex, you've been in Brussels long enough to know that the Franco-German relationship has been through a few ups and downs. How would you judge where we are right now, given that yesterday or last night, it's very apparent that Mr Macron was pretty isolated, and even though Merkel brought him around, he seemed to have backed himself into a bit of a corner. Is that an ominous sign for how these two partners go ahead in the future?
0: Look, I mean, the French president had a bit of support in the room, but clearly he was in a minority. And it's very rare to see such clear differences in public, well public as a summit gets, voiced clearly in such a sustained manner over something that's as important as this issue. The French and Germans tend to keep their differences private, or try to. There are always huge divergences in outlook over many big policy areas, but it's more and more creeping into the public realm. They're feeling more comfortable about speaking in opposition to each other. And you saw that to some extent last night. Some of it was tactical considerations. You know, should they go short and keep the pressure on the UK to make the Labour Party feel that there was a no-deal imminent, that it was time to really compromise? Or should they go long Take it off the EU agenda, give the UK time, and possibly make all the Brexiters who think a no deal is a good thing think that the whole of Brexit may be lost and that it's time to compromise and do a, a deal. I mean, so there was a legitimate question there, but underlying the differences between the French and Germans was a more fundamental difference in outlook about the European interest over Brexit. In Macron's view, It is in the European interest for this to end as soon as possible and potentially for Europe to continue without the UK. In the view of Berlin, it would be better for this to resolve itself in as consensual a way as possible and ideally probably for the Brits to stay in. That was the fundamental difference in outlook that orientated both leaders last night and actually caused all the trouble in the room.
1: No leaders last night ruled out another extension past october which means we could be back having this clash of philosophies again and it'll be interesting to see whether if we're back here in the autumn macron's vision might win over the longer ones but we'll have to wait and see thank you very much guys
0: that was marine khan talking to alex barker and Guy chazan in brussels Thanks for listening. Remember, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, you can find our latest subscription offers at ft.com forward slash offer.